Welcome to another episode of the Work Hard, Play Hard podcast. My name is Rob Murgatroyd, and each week on this podcast, I talk to some of the most fascinating people on the planet in all areas of life, from mindset to fitness to spirituality, and of course, business. Look, I believe you deserve success in all the areas of your life, not only business. But before we get into today's show, you may want to join us on our next Work Hard, Play Hard experience. This year, we're going to be going to Mykonos and Marrakesh. In these experiences, I have hand-selected a group of high-performing business people who are seeking more balance, connection, and they want to celebrate their wins as a reward for the hard work that they put in. If you want someone to curate once-in-a-lifetime experiences and force you to play more, rush over to workhardplayhardexperience.com. Fill out an application so we can jump on a discovery call to see if this is a good fit for you. And remember, excuses are over. It's time to live. Influence is a huge currency of the day. And in many cases, I think the currency of influence is almost becoming more valuable than the currency of money. It's a big change in the world. You're almost always most powerfully positioned to serve the person you once were. You're most powerfully positioned to serve the person you once were because you know that pain. And this is why most personal brands fail. It's not because they don't have enough skill or that they don't have good ideas or that they don't know like what to do. It's because they're doing too many different things. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Work Hard, Play Hard show. Today on the show is Rory Vaden. Rory is a business strategist who is doing things completely different than I've seen anybody doing in his space. In this episode, you're going to listen to Rory coach me directly on what we should do with the Work Hard, Play Hard brand and how to go all in on areas that are already making you money and not being all over the place doing courses and webinars like everybody else is doing. Everybody's chasing each other's tail. Oh, you're doing a webinar, I'm going to do a webinar. You're doing a course, I'm going to do a course. But it's diluting your message. This one is a very different episode than I've done before. It's much, much, much more tactical and it's going to help you. So if you are looking to create a new business or are in a business and you just feel like you're being pulled in a thousand different directions and you don't know where to put your focus, this is the episode for you. Give it a listen. Please enjoy this conversation with Rory Vaden. Rory Welcome to the show. Man, I'm glad to be here. If everyone knew how <laughs> difficult it was for us to get our technology connected, it's like, it's a miracle. I thought, you know, the world was, the, the universe was conspiring against us, but we overcame. We overcame. We, we overcame. Yeah. For, for all those people that listen to podcasts <laughs> and think, oh, you just hit record and go. Yeah, no. Um, this is technology and stuff happens as it did today, but want to officially welcome you to the show. And I'm super excited to have you on here because I've watched your business coaching in action with uh, friends like Lewis Howes. Oh, and yeah. I saw the shift happen in their business and their life. And I'm excited to I'm excited to talk about some of those strategies that I think can really help people. You know, one of the reasons why it was so important for you to me for for me to have you on the show is I was with Lewis in uh, in Greece uh, a couple of years ago, and he said uh, we're sitting on the beach, and he said I'm going all in on the podcast now. And I was like, well, what do you mean by that? He said, well, I'm just gonna I'm gonna put all my effort into the podcast and not. Uh, on all these other, you know, twenty percent things that are that are being very distracting, and honestly, I wasn't entirely sure what he meant until I watched it unfold, and then I realized that you were the architect behind all of that. So, mm. I'd love to uh, to talk about that in a little bit, but first, I'd like to talk about growing up in Boulder, Colorado in the 80s <laughs> and maybe ask you in what ways did 
you had something called the Dream Foundation. In what ways did that impact, uh, let's say, the kind of work that you're doing today? Yeah, yeah. So there was. Um, so when I think about my childhood, right? You know, usually when people think of Boulder, they think of like, you know, hippies and tree huggers and you know, vegans and all that, which I am most of those things. But um, <laughs> I. My, I don't think of my childhood so much as being in Boulder. I think of my childhood being poor. You know, we we moved like fourteen times or something between when I was born and like second grade or first grade. Um, and we moved a ton, living in apartments, people's basements. You know, like just crazy stuff. I was raised by a single mom, and she had had my brother when she was like 17 or was pregnant when she was 17. And she had me when she was 22 and that she was divorced from my biological father six months after I was born. So, you know, 22 year old single mom, no college education, two kids, like that was our life. And the, I have a dream foundation was in Boulder. And, um, you know, I think it's funny. I know Rob, no one's ever asked me that question about the, I have a dream foundation. And, in terms of how that impacted my life in terms of the way it shaped today is that honestly was probably the first, I guess, personal development, if you were to call it that, right? That's like a nonprofit group that like supports, you know, whatever you want to say, underprivileged or, you know, poor families. And, you know, you go to these like retreats and conferences and in like monthly meetings and you get like a mentor and stuff. But I call that, you know, like today I would call that that's personal development. It was the, it was a group of people who were outside your family that said, "Look, anything is possible. Everyone who's accomplished something great is, you know, a, 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 you know most anybody is a human, like just a yeah, a basic human with the the same fears and worries and insecurities and um, the same." You know, ability to develop potential, and that so much of it is about what you decide in your mind who you're going to be. And of course, now you know, whatever, 30 years later, I am have been in personal development my whole life. Uh, my wife and I built an eight-figure coaching company that we exited a couple of years ago. I've written, you know, two personal development books. And then our new company's got, you know, Brand Builders Group, which is the stuff that we do, which sounds like you want to go that direction and talk about, which sounds great, is, is basically teaching personal brands how to build and monetize their message, helping mission-driven messengers grow their their influence and their impact and their income. And all of that, it's funny, like no one's ever asked me that, but I would point that back to go, I Have a Dream Foundation was probably the first personal development event I went to. And I was fortunate to get exposed to that at such an early age. And all the way through high school, I was in student council in college, I was in Senate. And then I got into a network marketing company. And I was involved with direct sales for several years. And then... You know, and then and then started my own personal development company, and we grew that to two hundred people, and uh, exited that. So, and but even even to this day, I would say I am a very much a student first and a teacher second. I'm a reader first and a writer second. I'm a listener first, you know, and and now a Hall of Fame speaker second. And I've never thought about that connection. So, thanks for that. Yeah, you're welcome. It's it's interesting how we hit these inflection points in our life and how things show up in our paths uh, that make things happen. So when I saw that, it made me think, hmm, a lot of who he is today, I bet, was born out of that. So so great. I'm glad that that's uh, that those pieces connected. If we uh, if we if we fast forward a bit uh, to your uh, TED talk on how to multiply time, sure. In essence, did you? What was it, let's say, that you wanted people to come away with from that talk? What was the goal of that talk? Yeah, so the TED Talk actually was an extension of my second book. So my second book was called Procrastinate on Purpose. And we purposely designed our marketing strategy to release the TED Talk at the same time. Um, And I know you didn't ask this question, but this is an interesting thing since we're like behind the scenes here. That is one that is my single biggest marketing failure in history. It was not releasing the book and the TED Talk at the same time. That was genius. And it almost worked like huge. The mistake was that I called the 
TED Talk, for whatever reason, I called it How to Multiply Time, which is really what that body of work is about. It is how to literally create more time, not manage time, not prioritize, not be more efficient. We came up with a way to literally manufacture more time, which we can talk about if you want. And that was what the book was about. And we called the TED Talk How to Multiply Multiply Time, which is clear, powerful, direct, But I called the book, which I thought was brilliant. I was like, oh my gosh, Procrastinate on Purpose. This is the most brilliant title. Everyone will be like, what is that? I've never heard that. And that's exactly what happened. Everyone was so freaking confused by the book title that the book hasn't sold... I mean, we've sold like 30 or 40,000 copies or something, which is a lot, but nothing near my first book, Take the Stairs, which you know sells lots and lots of copies, well over 100,000 copies at this point. And the, the, the pain is that the TED Talk has gone viral. So we did nothing to promote the TED Talk. Like we just did the talk based on the book, called it How to Multiply Time, and it's got whatever, three, three, maybe like three and a half million or views or something like that right now, I think. And we did all this work on the book. It called it Procrastinating on Purpose, and nobody even connected the two together. And um, so, anyways, your, the, the short answer to your question is. I needed to solve a problem in my own life, which, by the way, is the source of almost everything that I have ever taught, is I set out to solve a problem in my own life. I spent a couple years deconstructing and breaking that down and studying it. And then I typically realize that what has been said on how to do it is verbose. It, it's It's... It's inefficient and it could be communicated much clearer. And so then, you know, I think that's what our team does is we go, how could we boil this down and make this like more simple and straightforward? Yet the irony of having a non-simple and straightforward title of the book itself, which was the pain. So the point, the, request, the answer to your question is, I wanted to teach people how to create more time in their life because that's what I felt like I needed. And I think that's what everybody needs. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, in listening to that, it makes me think of um, sort of a similar, I hate to use the word blunder, because in his case, it it seems like everything he does is great. Uh, But Tim Ferriss wrote a book called The 4-Hour Chef. Yep. And the book had nothing to do with cooking and everything to do with learning. And it was so confusing for people because they're like, so um, is it teaching me cooking skills or what is it? And so it's, you know, don't judge a book by its cover, but it does it does have some impact, huh? Huge. It's a huge impact. People people do judge a book by its cover. And now, you know, I think about Brand Builders Group and and you know, like we work with personal brands. And of course, people have you know, a lot of people hear about us because they go, Oh, you worked with Lewis and uh, you know, like we work with some bigger names, some guy from Shark Tank, a Time magazine woman of the year, Rose McGowan, and you know, like they hear some of the bigger people, like celebrities or whatever that we work with, but that's like of our client base. Most of our clients are either brand new beginner or they're more like intermediate novice. And people judge... Like personal branding matters because whether you like it or not, people judge a book by its cover. And that failure of the title is all on me. Nobody else... I was the one... My publisher pushed against it. You know, my wife was like, I'm not sure. Like I was the one that was like, you don't understand. This is the most genius thing ever. And, you know, anyways, all of us uh, have a reputation and some of it is fair and some of it is unfair, but we have one. And, you know, influence is a huge currency of the day. And in many cases, I think the currency of influence is almost becoming more valuable than the currency of money. It's a big change in the world. Yeah, for sure. You know, the work that you're doing now is really, really, it's going right to the top. And so, you know, we talk about like the the 3% of the clients that you have, but sure. those 3% of clients that you have are really movers and shakers in this space. And, you know, I got a text from uh, Shalene Johnson's husband. Brett. Um, yeah. yeah, Brett. Uh, to tell me about you. Um, and that's how, uh, I don't know if you know this, but that's how you and I wound up getting connected to do this podcast. So when I hear it you know, from Lewis and I hear it from uh, the Johnsons, I know that you've got, uh, you've got some legitimate, uh, legitimate stuff that's really making a difference out there in the world. And 
you know, when I listened to the uh, the episode that you did with Lewis Howes, maybe you did one or two of uh, episodes a with couple. him, but yeah, yeah, you discuss going all in on what is bringing you joy and making the most amount of money. Um, so, you know, using him or anybody else that you like, can you sort of unpack what you are trying to do with clients when it comes to focus? Sure. Uh, absolutely. And one thing just to clarify, like when you get into the world of Brand Builders Group, Brand Builders, our company now is a team, right? So you're saying me, but it's like we're, we're, a, we're a whole team, like a whole organization. So it's like our team is putting together all of, all of this stuff. But Okay. You know, to, to use Lewis as a reference, right? Since that's one you're you're familiar with, and clearly you're hanging out with awesome people too. Um, yeah. Which which is so great. And here's the the other thing is most actually, I think with most of those bigger names, those all in in every instance they found us, like they came to us, including Lewis. And you know, so if you use Lewis, I mean, so here's here's the example, and and this is why most personal brands fail, and you really probably could say most small businesses in general. It's not because they don't have enough skill or they're not gifted enough like as a person or that they don't have good ideas or that they don't know like what to do. It's because they're doing too many different things. And the illustration that we used visually when we show this to people is what we call Sheehan's Wall. And that was this is a concept that I was inspired by a gentleman named Peter Sheehan, who was more of like a corporate speaker, but we've kind of adapted that to personal brands, which is like you know, on one side of the wall, you have people who are unknown in any industry or any niche or any vertical. And then on the other side of the wall, you have the people who are known. They're the celebrities. They're trusted. They're the people with influence. And everybody's trying to break through this invisible wall. And what happens is we hear a lot of different advice. We have a lot of different ideas. And we talk to a lot of different people. And we watch a lot of different people for like trying to figure out what's the code to like breaking through the wall. And so... You know, like we have many different topics. Like, gosh, I'm super passionate about leadership and fitness and dating and marriage and sales and, you know, communication and what, well, you know, like, and lifestyle and being a mom and whatever, whatever. And so we have all these different topics. And then we hear about all these different marketing strategies, right? Like, uh, you know, I should be on, you know, Snapchat and I should be on Instagram and I should be on TikTok and I should be on Pinterest and, Whatever, whatever. And we hear all these different business models. Like, oh man, the, the money's in the membership sites, bro. Like recurring revenue, that's where it's at. But, but really video courses are where it's at because they're totally automated and you only need to build them once. And really, if, if you want to grow a huge company, you need a coaching business. But if you want to impact a lot of lives, you should do live events and get like a thousand people. And what happens is when you have diluted focus, you get diluted results. It is that simple. And the best piece of branding advice that I'd ever received, and you know, I always make this clear that this is not a Rory Vaden quote. I wish it was, but this was not like a Rory Vaden original or a Brand Builders original. I heard this from a guy named Larry Wingett. And he said this, and I heard this early in my career. He said, the goal is to find your uniqueness so that you can exploit it in the service of others. Find your uniqueness so that you can exploit it in the service of others. And, you know, I've been on a journey for over 20 years to build my career as an author and a speaker and entrepreneur, you know, and my wife and I, you know, so like, um, we had also related to that. We had built a coaching company and we had built an events company and we had built a speakers bureau. We built several little, you know, entities that were all wrapped up in this exit that we had. And so we started over two years ago, like everything, all our team, social media, email list, everything. So like all of it's gone in the transaction, started over from scratch, right? And what we realized is we said, well, gosh, we need to help other people. Like a lot of people are struggling to figure out what they should talk about and, and really what their uniqueness is. And so we developed this framework that we call the brand DNA helix that we take people through in phase one. We've got, we've got four phases um, that we take people through. And in phase one, we help people find their uniqueness. And to use Lewis as an example... And this is what I think is sometimes tricky about understanding what we do. Like, we don't solve the problem for, like, we don't tell people who they should be. Like, like, what we do is we help them 
realize who they are in their essence. Like, it's not like we come give you some answer that you haven't found yet. Like you're exposed to something you don't know. It's more like we're removing layers of all the distractions to help figure out at your essence already, who are you? And it's not even like, who do you need to become? It's like, who are you? And how can you be more of that? Because that is uncopyable. And there's all these different you know, exercises. There's six core questions of phase one. We can talk through as many of them as you want. But um, to find their uniqueness. And a lot of times, you know, like with Lewis, we really can't take much or any credit at all for Lewis being who he is. Like I met Lewis way back in like 2013 or something after my first book came out and I was 29 years old and Take the Stairs, that was my first book, had hit number two on the New York Times and Lewis was like a rising podcaster and my media team cold pitched him. That's how he met. But then after the show... I was like, hey man, you know, you're so young and I'm young. Like, are you, know, are you gonna do a book one day? And he's like, I am. And and so I said, Well, let me share with you. Like, I'll tell you everything about how we did it and, and we became friends. And then we you stayed in touch. And then you know, it was a few years, like a couple of years had gone by before we had even talked, or at least a year that we'd even talked. And he called me and he was like, dude, I don't know why. I know we haven't talked in a long time, but we have grown so much, and yet I feel completely overwhelmed. Like I'm buried. I'm doing all these things that are draining my energy. I feel like I'm pulled in a thousand directions. We have all this opportunity. People are coming to us constantly with things we can be doing. And I just feel like I need someone to help me set my strategy. And I feel like you're the guy. And at this point, Brand Builders didn't exist. So we had just left our last company. Lewis called us the day, like to the day. So he comes to Nashville and he comes to our house. Like we were buddies, right? So he comes to our house. And we just helped him realize that like, for him, podcasting at that time was ancillary. And, and, and people often think they're in one business and they're not. Like, you know, people will think, oh, like, you know, I'm a speaker, but the reality is all of their money comes from video courses. Or somebody will think I'm an influencer, but they make, you know, $10,000 a year selling the book. And really, they make a quarter million dollars a year running their business. And so we're going, why don't you... Just because you have a personal brand doesn't mean you have to like launch a book and a video course. Why don't you do what Elon Musk does and Richard Branson does and Steve Jobs did and use your personal brand to drive attention and awareness or Sarah Blakely to your company and 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 already fuel or if you have a network marketing business, use your personal brand to drive the network marketing business, the machine that's already there. And so with Lewis, the podcast was like basically like this an ancillary thing. And what became obvious to us is, is if you just went all in on this thing, it is very scalable. And we teach people to look for what we call dares. Um, you know, these are, you can't, we've not found a business model that has all five of these perfectly. But when we're helping clients, and one of the things we do in phase one is help people figure out how do they make money. That's one of the questions is going, okay, how can I turn this into money making? Is we look for dares. And it's an acronym. It stands for digital. We're looking for things that are digital, automated, recurring, evergreen, and scalable. Digital, automated, recurring, evergreen, and scalable. Now, you can't have all of them because some of them work against each other. Like recurring revenue typically works against evergreen. If people are going to continue to pay you for something, it's almost always because you're adding something new to the thing. So it's not evergreen because evergreen means it never has to be updated. Like video courses are more evergreen, but they're less recurring because people typically pop by the course once. They're not going to pay for it again. And you have to come up with a new course if you, you know, want to serve them again. But so with Lewis, he had like 30 million downloads at the time. And this is not even two years ago. But from that day, like, so he went, I think he started the podcast maybe like 2011, 2012. Maybe maybe 2009, like I don't know. Do you know Rob when he started it? I don't remember. It was, it was like uh, we've been we've been friends 15 years, so it all blurs together. together. I've been friends since he's been on uh, his sister's couch, so it's it's all one big. You know, <laughs> I love this. Blur. I love that. So whenever it was, yeah, like um, his whole story. He's on the couch, and and Matt. You know, a lot of people don't know Matt. Like Matt is Lewis's right hand man, and and Matt is amazing. Like he's, he's a, a great guy genius, solid dude, like one of the best dudes ever. And 
such is the true story of all success, right? Like there's always amazing people beyond the ones that you typically see. And so, you know, Matt was here and it was like, gosh, like we've almost gotten 30 million downloads by accident. Not by, it's not by accident, but it's like kind of by accident. But it's like all of our time and energy and attention is like learning all these new things that, you know, like, you know, funnels and membership sites and like all these things that everyone else is doing because it's sort of like they feel like you have to. And we said, well, what would happen if you just went all in on the one thing that you already have natural traction with? And, you know, they just crossed 200 million downloads. So they went from whatever, like 2000, let's call it 2010. I think that's about right. From 2010 to 2018, from zero to 30 million. And then since they made this decision, from 2018 to, to, to 2020, from 30 million to 200 million. So that's over almost seven times in, in two years. Um, now, again, a lot of that would have happened organically, but a lot of it happened as the result of Lewis going, yes, I'm going to go all in on the thing that I, that I love, that gives me life. And that's what's amazing is that when you find somebody's uniqueness, it's not the battle. Like, yes, it's hustle. Yes, it's hard work. But it's not like, oh, I have to get through, you know, boot camp. Like, I hate this. It's horrible. Um, you know, it's discouraging that you might not have results right away, but the work itself is life-giving. It's, it's invigorating. It's like fun and it's challenging. So let anyways... Me, uh, let me, yeah, let me jump ahead. in here uh, with a question. So when I think back at that time in Lewis's career... And we're just using him as an example. I'm sure we can have 10 other people. But the reason why Lewis is a good example is because a lot of people know who he is. A lot of people know him, yeah. Yeah, they followed his journey. So if we're, if we're thinking about that time in the very beginning of Lewis's career, or let's say, you know, sort of like, I don't know, maybe halfway through his beginning to where he is today. Yeah. He needed revenue to be able to keep the business going. So sure. that revenue was, was made through coaching and all of the 20% ancillary that he's now cut out. So my question is, is there a time where that becomes premature to go all in on your passion, all in on the thing that, you know, that you're great at? Um, because you just need to pay the bills and know that, that, that there's, there's going to come a time where you're going to shift directions and you're going to go all in on it. Um, for example, a lot of people who listen to the show have their own podcast. And if, you know, they have their own podcast, a lot of people are making money through things like coaching and events. But really what they want is they would love to just be doing podcasts full time. Like that's their passion, but they're making money in the other areas. How do you address that? Yeah. So we totally, this is classic phase one stuff. There's a whole framework and discussion around this. Um, so we call this like we this the the it it our you know like at our event our phase one event, and we do one on one coaching, but we also have events that people come to along the way. So we've got thirteen different events all grouped into like you know these four phases. But um, online or in person? They're actually virtual now. They used to be in person. Now we're just doing them virtually. Uh huh. But the one 13, on we, thirteen in person, like people fly to Nashville thirteen times. Uh huh. Yeah. Over the course, typically of a couple of years. Wow. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, now they're like virtual and, you know, we we're loving it. So like we may, I mean, we'll probably go back to doing in person too. So, you know, like when we work with Lewis, Lewis doesn't come to our events. Like most of those, I guess, celebrity types, if you want to call them that, they do what are private brand strategy days. So they just do like one-on-one and it's usually like them and their manager and their team or whatever. And then a couple of our strategists. But um, most of the people we work with, like I said, are not those people. It's, it's People are often shocked at how like affordable our services are. And we do one-on-one coaching. Like We assign a strategist to a person that does human... That's our business model. Our business model is not video courses. It's not membership site. It is a one-on-one coaching program. Um, and then you know we have these you know, bursts, which happen in these, these like two-day events, which are these 13 topical areas that I'm talking about. But in, in, in the, the first event, this phase one conversation, we take people through something called the golden grid. And it's actually, it's a very simple grid. You could do it. You could kind of coach yourself through it right now. Like if you have a sheet of paper and you just made two columns and the one column would be short-term, the other column would be long-term. And we look everything that we do 
Like brand builders is playing the long game always. Our uniqueness, our word is reputation. We're, we're interested in money, but we work with mission-driven messengers who are people that are like, I'm playing the long game. I'm not trying to convince people that I have 100,000 followers when I really don't. I'm not you know, trying to like use a fake chat bot to make it seem like there's a bunch of people in the webinar when there's really not. Like that, We're just playing a longer game. And if someone decides they want to do that, that's a, a, an intentional decision they make, which is fine. But we're, we're going like, you can do do this a certain way and it's going to build s- slow, but it's going to build powerful. And so anyways, we're looking long-term and short-term and long-term. And then your, your rows, okay? So your rows, there's three rows. So row number one is primary business model. So that is like, what is the number one way I'm making money? And you got to get clear on that to what you said, Rob, is so genius. Like, just because you want to be a keynote speaker one day, that was my dream. Like I got started in all this. I wanted to be the guy standing on stage in front of 10,000 people. Like that was how I started. And, you know, later I became a writer and then I became, you know, I guess I would call it an online marketer. And then I became what I would consider a true entrepreneur. But, you know, primary business model, what's paying the bills short term, but then also ideally, if I could design my ideal life long-term, what would I want to put in that box? Mm. And so that's what we got to get clear on. Uh, And then the second row is what we call secondary business model. So we kind of make an allowance to go, okay, you know, there's going to be two. And your your short-term primary business model could be your day job. Like you could be a corporate... Like a lot of our clients are... Their short-term primary business model is don't get fired. Like I have my salary and my benefits... And I'm, and then my secondary business model, though, my secondary business model is not choosing a hundred products to launch. It's choosing one and building one great funnel with one great marketing plan with one great continuity like content plan that grows and grows and grows and drives and drives and drives that one thing until that one thing can make enough money that it becomes an escape path, like an escape patch, so to speak from whatever the thing is you're doing now, whether it's a corporate job or it's you know some other job business you started that you don't, you're not really passionate mm. about anymore. It's still, everyone has to build the escape hatch. You got to... And, and you it's tricky because you have to keep one thing going, like you're circling one plate, but then you're dedicating 100% of your excess time towards the second thing. So you're expending the minimum amount of energy to, to keep the main thing rolling while you put 100% of your energy into developing the second thing, which hopefully becomes the primary thing long-term, right? This is simple stuff, but it, unless you've had someone think through it and you know, we've walked through over 20 years of pain of doing this the wrong way and like, you know, we lost a lot of money and made some money and helped some people make some money and like a lot of heartbreak, but super simple. And then we have a third row, which is ancillary revenue streams, which we, we created a little bit begrudgingly because some people just have so many ideas. Like, I want to have t-shirts and I want to have shoes and, you know, I want to, I want to, I want to have whatever. It's like, fine, throw it down there. And, but it's like, we're not putting focus on it. Like, if it happens, it happens. Oh, and, and one day we'll do it, procrastinate on purpose, right? Like, one day when our primary business model is so dialed in and our team is scaling and we have infrastructure and I'm making real income, then I can go invest in the passion projects and do every little passion project I want. But the way you break through Sheehan's wall is not by doing a hundred things. It's by doing one thing and becoming known for one thing. And that is how you break through the wall. Once you're on the other side of that wall, you can do all whatever you want. Like, Gary Vaynerchuk can talk about whatever the hell he wants. Eight million followers. Like he's like the biggest non-celebrity celebrity there is. And but in the beginning, he talked about one thing, wine, on one outlet, YouTube. And that was how he broke through the wall on that one thing. You know, yeah. like Gordon Ramsay, like these people, they were a chef. The rock was a wrestler. Ellen was a comedian. Like people broke three. Be, through being the best in the world at one thing. And that's a big part of what phase one is, is helping you. And we ask you the question and we take you through this process of going, what can you legitimately become one of the best in the world at? What do you know better than anyone else because you've walked the road? And another thing that we answer in phase one, Rob, is, is who? Like who should you be addressing? 
And one of the things that we've learned over the last couple of years is we now know you're almost always most powerfully positioned to serve the person you once were. You're most powerfully positioned to serve the person you once were because you know that pain, right? Like you, if you want to be a speaker or an author or like an online marketer, I know what it feels like to sit in an audience and go, I want to be on that stage. Like I know what it's like to walk through the airport and go, I want to see my book there one day. I know what it's like to look at, you know, hear people talking about funnels and being like, what the hell is all this? And like, how do you tie all this together? And what are the actual words that I have? Why can't someone just tell me what are the words I need to put on the page to get someone to buy? Like, why is this so complicated? So you have that. You have walked through something. And, you know, your uniqueness lives at the intersection of who you were designed to be and who the world needs you to be. Your uniqueness lives at that intersection of who you were designed to be and who the world needs you to be. Your uniqueness also lives at the intersection of who you have been and who you feel called to be. So like these are concepts we train our strategists on in terms of like helping them help clients zero in is going like, there is a through line to everything that you have ever done. Everything you've done in your life, like every person you dated, every job you took, every success you had, every failure you had, there is some consistent pattern and through line and problem that you've been wrestling with uh, or problems, but we're going to find the one. And, and part of how we're going to hone in on it is we're going we're gonna to also look at what do you see for yourself in the future? How do you feel yourself being pulled? Lewis, to use that example again, Lewis loves interviewing. He loves it. You know what Lewis doesn't love? I don't think he would mind me sharing this. He doesn't love teaching. Like he doesn't mind teaching. Like he's a good teacher, but like he's a master interviewer. Like he relates with people, he connects and it and it lights him up. And you know, the school of greatness, right, is all about studying and learning the things that he never learned in school to help him be a better person. And and that is what people are drawn to is just like this kid who was a, you know, kind of a dweeb and made fun of and like insecure learning and finding his own confidence and his own greatness, you know, and the problem that Lewis solves, and this is one of the things we got clear on with him is self-doubt. So his whole brand is oriented around solving one problem, which is the first of the six questions I mentioned in the brand DNA Helix. And most people can't answer this, Rob, which is, tell me in one word, what problem do you solve? That is the genesis of a personal brand. And the work that we do in phase one, that's where it starts. And we take people through an exercise. We create this problem cloud of all the problems they think they could help people solve. And then we narrow it down and we're helping them figure out like, because if you don't know what problem you solve, there's no way in hell your audience will ever know. You know, like for brand builders, the problem we solve is obscurity. Someone who feels unclear, untrusted, and lesser known than they feel like they should be. And um, our avatar is mission-driven messengers. These people who are like, they want to make money. Like they like making money. They need to make money. They're good at money. But at the end of the day, they're led more by like a calling. And that's, you know, that's who we serve. And so... Wow. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's really, really amazing. As I'm listening to it, I can't help but put myself in that uh, position. I think a lot of people are there too. So if you're game, I'm going to throw personal situation out at you and maybe you could just give me a gut reaction to it. Sure. So... This is for um, you? Yeah, this is for me. Okay. So, and I like to put myself in it because I know a lot of people, you know, like you, like you said a minute ago, serve the person you once were. I know there's a lot of people who are, you know, in a similar situation who are listening to this. So, plus you uh, do the same thing I do, Rob, which is I use my podcast as a way to get free coaching. Like that's how I, as an interviewer, that is literally how I think. I actually, in our podcast power event, I teach people that. Like I ask the questions that I want to know for me selfishly, and everyone listens in. So I love, I well, love everybody wins, this right? Game. Yeah. Everybody wins. Okay. So here's here's the scenario. My wife does network marketing. Love it. And I'm a I, huge fan, by the way. Awesome. Love it. Love awesome. It. We've done really, really well. It's allowed us to um to basically retire um and live here in Southern California. We moved from Atlanta. Amazing. Um, and by retire, I mean it's it covers all of our overhead. Yep. Um 
And um, I do a podcast and I've got uh, two things. One is I do uh, what's called a work hard, play hard event. And twice a year, I take entrepreneurs who don't take any time that they need to take to do fun and cool things around the world. I kind of force them to take the time off to get away from their problems. And uh, the last one we did was in, um, uh, we did two this year. We did one in the South of France. They woke up in the morning and they had vintage cars waiting for them. And we went uh, riding through the French Riviera. And then we did a goal setting session as a castle, in the castle as as an example. Had speedboats waiting for them. We went to Saint-Tropez and partied for the day. Um, We recently just did Italy. Uh, We went truffle hunting uh, in Chianti and then had some Italian grandmas teach us how to make pasta. So stuff like that. So that's the event. So the podcast feeds those events. Um, yep. And once a week on my same feed, my wife and I do what we call a Friday podcast where we talk about uh, relationship stuff. And um, I do coaching for people that you know really w- would love to be able to afford my bigger, we'll call it a mastermind, that travel thing I just explained, but don't really have the income to do it. And they're trying to sure. build. Uh, so I do coaching for them. So in some ways, it feels like you know we're all over the map. And one of the things that we're considering now is uh, because we're extremely happily married, we work together on a lot of projects. People are always asking us relationship questions. That's great. So we were thinking of putting together a relationship course. But now when I watch what Lewis did and I listen to what you just explained... You know, now I'm running through the filter in my head and I'm saying, well, you know, I've got these work hard, play hard events. I've got coaching. I've got the podcast. She's got network marketing. You know, now if we add one more thing like relationship course, does that, you know, fly in the face of everything that you just said? Well, it's not so much does that specifically fly in the face, but, but a practical question that you can ask about every task. And this is more about like my time management book, right? Like the procrastinate on purpose or my, my TED talk, which is free, right? You can go watch my TED talk. In a practical sense, every time you add something new, it takes away from something that you're doing, right? I mean, that's, that is just a practical truth that anytime I say yes to one thing, I'm simultaneously saying no to an infinite number of others. For sure. And so the mindset of this, we teach actually in procrastinate on purpose, which is, you figure out the things that multiply your time. So I'm not going to give you the whole TED Talk here, not because I wouldn't, but just because of time. But the, I'll tell you the whole book in one sentence. How do you multiply time? Roy, that's impossible. No, it's not. Here's how you multiply time. You spend time on things today that create more time tomorrow. You spend time on things today that create more time tomorrow. You There are certain things you can do right now that as a result of doing them today, it will create time for you tomorrow. And that's why everyone screwed up because we call that the the significance calculation is thinking outside of the lens of today. There's nothing we can do to create more time inside of one day. We all have the same 24 hours, which is uh, 1,440 minutes and 86,400 seconds. So I can't teach you how to create more time inside of one day. But I can teach you that there are certain things you can do today. Like if I set up online bill pay today, That's going to take two hours of my time. But now it's going to save me 30 minutes next month and 30 minutes the month after that and 30 minutes the month after that and 30 minutes the month after that. And so after four months, I will have broken even on that investment of time. And every month thereafter, I will be multiplying time. That process will be running without me. And so while nobody has time in their calendar to set up online bill pay, like nobody has extra time, just like no one has extra money laying around to invest you create the margin to invest by sacrificing something in the short term and you make a deliberate, intentional, strategic choice to place that investment based on what the return is. So in a short scenario like this, without having the full context, you know, completely of everything that's going on, I can't really say yes or no. You know, the way our process would work is is we would go, Rob, what problem do you solve? Like what problem... In one word, do you want to dedicate the rest of your life to solving? Now, from what I know about you, just from being on your website, you know, like I saw your videos of you and Lewis and Greece and, you know, like the, some of the trips and stuff you're talking about and, you know, checking out your social a little bit here and there and what you've shared with me, it seems like you have a real passion, you know, somewhere in the realm of like entrepreneurship. So we know like it's something related to that. And if that's the case, because even your wife with network marketing, that's kind of like, you know, they're not, 
entrepreneurs, but I would per se, I would call them intrapreneurs. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I mean that, I mean that reverently. I love yep. direct sales and network marketing. But you know, you have some passion for helping people build a a, a machine that helps them grow income. And so what's the inverse of that, right? Like, where does that passion stem from? You know, so there's some work that would have to be done there. And then you go, well, does the marriage thing fit into that? Yes or no? And the answer is, it probably most definitely could. And if you're going to do it, you would want to make sure that it does. Like, whatever you do, once you're clear about your uniqueness, it gives you a lens for which to talk about the entire world. It doesn't mean that the only thing that Lewis is ever going to talk about is self-doubt. But it means that everything that he talks about is through the lens of self-doubt. So if he's interviewing a politician, he's, he's diving into their insecurities. If he's, and that's what, if you're talking to an athlete or he's talking to an actor, right? He's, he's, he, that is what he's doing. Now to the, to the listener, you know, you don't see that. You don't have any idea about that, but, but once you're clear on your uniqueness, it's like that is why he's interviewing all these people from a bunch of ran- seemingly random, you know, like it's one day it's Mike Tyson, the next day it's Kevin Hart, and the next day it's, you know, whoever. But the story is the same. It's the story of overcoming self-doubt to achieve greatness. And his uniqueness is greatness. And so we're on a specific, you know, mission with his brand to dominate that word and term and concept of greatness, which he's He's already been doing subconsciously. Like a lot of that had nothing to do with us. It was more of us showing up and going, "Hey, did you notice this is what you're doing?" And it's like, "Oh my gosh, that's what I'm doing." So with with you, Rob, um, the question is, how does it fit into the story? Like, how does how and not in just the story, like your marketing story. How does it fit into the story of your life? So you know, I mentioned earlier one of the the the, the six questions of the brand DNA Helix in Phase One. So. The first question is what problem you solve and you create a list of those. The second question is what are you passionate about? And we do a whole inventory of like the things that you're super passionate about because there's some things like I'm really good at spreadsheets. I could solve that problem. I could make a living teaching people how to do spreadsheets, but I'm not super passionate about it. And when we say passion, you don't want to just look at like what gives you like butterflies and rainbows. You want to look at like what pisses you off, what makes you mad, like what breaks your heart. What makes you sad? These are some of the the deeper questions that like we train our our strategists to ask to, to where we go, ah, there's the connection. Now the marriage thing makes sense somehow. Or what happens is as you get clearer on it, you go, no, it doesn't make sense. Um, so it, it depends on what problem you solve, who do you solve it for, and how do you make money doing it, which are all the three, the three questions uh, that we answer for somebody in phase one. Now, at first glance, I would say, yes, that's going to take away time from something. And, and here's, here's how you know when it's a definite mistake. If you can't afford to take the time away from the thing you're doing, it's a mistake most likely to do it unless you feel strongly called like this is your financial future. But when you... One of the beautiful things of financial freedom, like money works the same way. You break, like you, you, you know, first of all, it's like you get debt free, then you build up some savings, then you get some, you know, investments and passive income, and then you have some like recurring income, and now you can take some more risks. You can explore. That's like breaking through the wall. Like, like multiple streams of revenue is terrible advice for new businesses. It's great advice once you're through the wall. Like once you're a wealthy person, you don't want to have all of your savings in one company. But most of the people who invest in a lot of companies, they made their first money by doing something that was focused, right? Like Alex Rodriguez was a baseball superstar. He didn't do baseball and basketball and football. He dominated baseball, made his money, and then broke through the wall. And now he invests in multiple different things. JLo is a great example of that. So it sounds like in your case specific, Rob, from what I'm just gathering from inference, you and your wife are in a pretty different place than probably the average person listening, that you've got a pretty healthy amount of financial freedom. And that's one of the benefits of being on that side is that it's like, if you want to do it, hell yeah. It's the same way like, um, you know, if you want to buy a Bentley, should I buy a Bentley? The answer is, well, if you're broke, no. If you're... 
so wealthy, you have the money. Hell yes. Like buy the Bentley. Neither of them mean you're a better person or not. It's just a practical function of like, you know, where am I at on my journey? And the more the more focused you were in the beginning, you created acceleration that broke you through the wall. Um, the further that you know, and then you get to the other side and you have more flexibility. Now the reality is you're gonna reach ultra performance by focusing again. So for example, if you have a network marketing machine that's running, I'm not saying you should do this. I'm saying this is one question we would ask you. Like if we were sitting together for two days, we would we would say, let's think about this. What if we redirected everything we're doing back to that and everything was all in on that? And there may be reasons you wouldn't want to do that and that's totally fine. But it's a question you should ask because you go, if you're already experiencing success with that, what would happen if you went all in on it? Could it double? Could it triple? Could it quadruple? And what's crazy is that for most of us, we the fastest path to cash is to monetize the thing you're already doing. For all of us, always. The fastest path to cash is to, is to optimize and focus and monetize the thing that like you're already doing. Now, there may be reasons long-term why you don't want that to be the only thing you do long-term. And then you go, great. Let me create a secondary business model and I'm going to start planting the seeds and I'm going to start growing it, nurturing it, and I'm going to, I'm going to birth that baby and, and I'm going to grow it until one day I can, you can make the pivot. And that's a strategic decision. So it's like you can't evaluate it just in a microcosm. But if I were for you, I would say, one, if, it, if, if my assessment is correct, you guys can probably afford to do something like that if you have financial freedom and financial security and it's something you're passionate about and you love it, it's like, yeah, take the vacation, buy the Bentley, create create that side project. Although I would still encourage you to go, how does that fit with the overall through line of, of what Rob is about and maybe what your wife is about, depending on what's going on with her personal brand and your joint brand. So that we have a couple, we have a couple couples that we work with. You know, that's, you know, even a little, there's some nuance to that. But or you know, so I would say, yeah, do it. Or I would say, hell no, don't do anything. Grow the crap out of your network marketing business and make that thing so efficient that the thing runs like absolute clockwork. And all of your recruiting and your training and your marketing and your order fulfillment and customer service and every single thing is so dialed in and so automated that that thing just grows a pile of money on top of pile of money on top of pile of money and all the people in your downline, it's like you're basically sending them checks every month because you have the system so dialed in and then you're teaching them how to do it. So the answer is you could or you could not, but that's how I would think about it. And I know that probably doesn't help you at all. <laughs> no, that was actually really, really interesting. You know, here's what I'm learning. I'm learning that the reason why you have people come out there 13 times or the reason why you're doing it virtually or the reason why you've got all these these models that are set up to go through sequences is it's very difficult to give one answer because there's so many freaking components to this thing. I understand the overarching yes. concept though. The overarching concept makes sense. I mean, once you start to dilute yourself, you're all over the place. Right. Everybody's everybody's following each other and chasing their tail and doing the next course and the next webinar and, you know, what's the next gizmo and gadget, but they're not... And everybody is selling a formula as if it were the same for every person. And the reality is it's not the same. A person is extremely nuanced. All right. So for the person that's listening and saying, okay, Rory, I'm, I'm down. I think you're right. I am either A, uh, at the very beginning and I want to do this right. B, um, you know, coming, I'm, I'm coming up. I'm starting to uh, come on multiple things now. Mm -hmm. I'm being pulled in three different directions or, mm -hmm. you know, I'm doing really well right now, but I, I hear what you're saying. And most of my mm -hmm. money is here and I'm going there. What are the options that are available for people that want to use your service? I know you said that you oh. have some group things. I know you have some private coaching things. What, what, like, where do they go? Yeah. So here's what they should do. They should go to freebrandcall.com slash work hard, play hard. Okay. Freebrandcall.com slash work hard, play hard. And, and what we will do, and this is how we roll, we will do a one-on-one -on -one call with you. That's what our team does. We do human interactions. So, and I'll just tell you this, our entry price point is $99. Yeah. And then, you know, when we do a private strategy day with some of these celebrities and stuff, like 
it's higher than that. But our our main programs for like one-on-one coaching are, you know, a few hundred bucks a month. And if you're, you know, like our primary thing is get a one-on-one coach, get two hours of virtual training from me every month and come to four events a year. And it's like super, you know, it's very affordable. So the, and the answer is, what do you need? And it depends on your situation. And that's why we would do a call. So I would say, go to freebrandcall.com slash work hard, play hard. And then just request a call and we'll just talk to you and we'll help you figure it out. But like, you know, if you're a mega superstar, like millions of followers, we have a lot of those, you know, clients, but it's a small percentage. And if you have zero followers and you're like, I'm just thinking about it, still go. Um, we Because the education is really the same for everybody. The application is what is extremely unique. The education is the same, but the application is unique. We're in the business of application, which is why we do one-on-one coaching as our core model. So I would say just just talk to us and we'll tell you. And we'll also tell you like, you're not ready for us or we'll tell you like, we're not the right fit. We don't mind doing that. So just go request a call. Okay. I love it. Um, I've got two more pages of questions that I have not gotten to. So <laughs> I'm going to try and, uh, I'm going to try and do a part two, um, with you somewhere down the line, sure. but I cannot thank you enough for this. I think that you are doing something. I know that you're doing something that nobody else is doing. I know that from personal experience, I've watched people make transformations, not only in their business, but you know, let's face it, we only have so many years on this planet and we want to be doing shit that we like, mm, that we're excited yes. about, that we're making money at, we're helping people. And when you're scattered and you're a mess and you did this for freedom, but you wake up and you're a shit show because you're in 20 different places, that's not living a life. So I really, really am a big supporter of what you're doing. So I just wanted to you know, personally thank you for, for all of that. So do you have any final words, suggestions, or an ask for people that are listening? Uh, no, I just, you know, thank you for that, Rob. I, I mean, that is, that is awesome. And, and, um, uh, yeah, I, I would just say, you know, check out freebrandcall.com slash work hard, play hard. If you want to like continue the conversation, of course I'm online and stuff, you can go find me, but I guess the last little thing I would just leave people with, and this is something I've gotten clearer and clearer on as brand builders group has, has grown and starting to scale again is that usually the reason why people don't request a call or like they don't consider this, like the idea of taking the mission, the calling in their heart seriously is because they think things... It's usually some form of like insecurity or self-doubt. Like, well, there already is a Tony Robbins or there already is a Brene Brown or there already is a Simon Sinek. Like, you know, how am I going to compete with these guys? Or they'll say, you know, they'll be like, well, I don't know the technology, right? Like, I don't know what mic to use for a podcast. I I don't know like what marketing automation software. I don't know how to code a website. Like, I've never written sales copy. And they'll get like totally hung up on all of these, you know, small technical things about why they can't or a bigger thought of like, well, there's already someone else or I wouldn't be good enough or they have like the imposter syndrome. And, And the thing that we've started to realize, especially working with a lot of our smaller clients, is that the calling that you feel on your heart to share some message, it's actually the result of a signal that's being sent out by someone else who needs you. And that person needs you more than you need them. And that person can only hear from you. Like they can't hear it. It's like radio frequencies. It's like, I can have two radio stations playing the same song at the same time, but I can only hear the the song on the frequency that I'm tuned in on. Some people cannot listen to Tony Robbins or Oprah or Brene Brown or Simon Sinek. There are certain people that either won't listen to them or won't ever be exposed to them, but they will be exposed to you. And you can make a, a, a great living without having millions and millions of followers. Like you can make millions of dollars without millions of followers. My wife said that on a, one of our podcast recaps recently. And I was like, that's so true. And so think about that person and realize that they're out there right now begging for and pleading for and perhaps down on their hands and knees praying 
for the answers to problems that you have already solved, for the answers to questions that you know like the back of your hand because you've already been there and you've already walked through it. And so if you feel that calling, just know that that signal is coming from someone else and step towards it and see what happens. Boom, drop the mic. That was great. That's going to be my pull quote. I'm pulling that audio right out. That was great. That was amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you for this. Of course, man. It's, it's my pleasure. I know you have invested so much into your audience and the work and the relationship I know is sacred. Like I've just seen your roster of just like incredible episodes and the stuff, the people you've had. And so it's um, definitely a privilege to be here, Rob. So, you know, thanks for that, taking that risk on me. Thank you, buddy. All right. Thanks for listening. If you love this episode and you know someone that needs some help in either stepping up their work hard game or their play hard game, it would mean the world to me if you shared this podcast with them to help me get this movement out there. So if you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes, take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and I will be forever grateful. So until the next episode, excuses are over. It's time to live. 